I made it out of the water with five minutes to spare. I was dead ass last person in the race out of the water. But you know what? I was so happy. I think I did cartwheels out into transition. <laughs> it was one of those, like, it was a two hour swim and it was took so much of my energy. But you know what? It, it, to this day, hands down, one of the top three days of, of my life. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 28 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I'm stoked to share badass Danny Goggs' inspiring story. Danny got started in 2010 running a few local 5Ks and 10Ks in Eisenhower Park in Long Island. From there, an invite by her now husband Ray to a local try where she showed up on a mountain bike with a helmet from Target and a rented wetsuit. At this point, Danny was a survival swimmer, terrified of open water, and would swim from kayak to kayak, holding on for dear life. After a ton of hard work, good coaching, and an open water swim in a hurricane, Danny fully conquered her fear. She's gone on to make many age group podiums, qualify for national and world Ironman athlete honors, complete three full Ironmans with a PR of sub-13 hours, and seven half Ironmans with a PR of sub-6 hours. Just awesome, awesome times. What I found most inspiring is how after overcoming her fear of open water swimming, she now teaches special needs kids how to swim and works with an adults at an adult learn to swim program. Her husband, Ray and Danny, launched Rad Fam Fitness to help other multi-sport athletes get started in the sport and achieve their goals. We both tackled the JFK 50 Mile Ultra, which is how we met. I'm so glad our paths crossed because Danny brings such a positive vibe and energy to everything she tackles. I hope you enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Morning, Danny Goggs. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? I am good. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. It's glad for glad we got a chance to finally hook up and uh, a little Zoom face to face and uh, a little Run Chats pod discussion. Me too. I'm happy. Finally connected, and uh, we're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 scheduling and challenges are rife and all around us. So we got to make our way through the shit storm and just keep moving forward. Cause that's all we can do. Right. That's it. That, and you got to laugh. You just laugh. <laughs> you got to laugh at it. It's so 2020. Everything is 2020. I love it. I love it. We have to, we got to have, we got to have a positive attitude because uh, it's beating us all down, man. And um, you know, you got to acknowledge it. But we're, I'm thankful and I know you're thankful and um, the listeners to my show are thankful that we have um, the ability to run, swim, bike, um, and just do physically active sports to keep us together, upright, and sane. because I don't know where the hell any of us would be without that. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, it's been a year. It's been a year <laughs> trying new things and just keeping bodies moving and started out that way back in March last year with everybody kind of what am I going to do for a workout when every gym closed down and, 
you know, you couldn't buy a pair of running sneakers. You couldn't find a bicycle available. Everybody took to the outside because it was the only place you were allowed to allowed to be. So new adventures. Correct. Have some control of your life. And for everybody listening, um, Danny's from Long Island. What part of Long Island are you from? I live in Deer Park. So that's Suffolk County. Okay. And um, I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of um, do a little introduction of how you got involved with first sports overall, um, before you became a badass triathlete doing Ironman and long distance stuff. And now um, dipping your toe into the ultra water. Um, back in 2010, you know, you just got to start it out like many of us do going to a gym, uh, you know, a local 5k, et cetera. Walk us through a little bit of that part of your story. Um, cause that's really where you first got involved with, uh, competing and, and, and venturing into the sports world here that we're, that we're living in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was always active as a child and through high school and college, I was a varsity gymnast. I was a cheerleader. I was a dancer, danced my entire life, danced on the dance team in college and then, um, you know, when you graduate college and you get your job and you're working in Manhattan, like I was doing and commuting to work and you think that's hot shit, you know, you got the nine to five job in the city and you go to the gym at five in the morning before work, or you go to the gym after work. Um, so going to the gym consisted of, you know, 20 minutes on the treadmill, lifting a couple of weights, you know, taking a few spin classes here and there. And that's pretty much how, you know, me, my friends, and we kept you know, in shape, so to speak. And then, you know, a few years later, I decided to run a 5k, a girlfriend of mine. She's actually one of my best college friends. I'm um, still one of my besties to this day. She, she was a runner and she had been doing marathons for a little while. Um, so she said, you know, why don't you come with me to run this 5k? And I was like, 5k three miles is a long time. That's a long run. <laughs> I'm used to running, you know, little half mile increments, 20 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And I went with her and it ended up being so much fun. I had never been in a race environment. It was a summer run series um, at Eisenhower Park. So anybody in the metro area of New York will know where that is. And my friend Liz, she says, come on, we're going to do this. And both of us ended up placing in our age group, which was I didn't even know what that meant. And at the time it was so long ago, they actually gave you a ribbon, like, like those little ribbons <laughs> and it said, you know, second place age group or first place age group, whatever it was. And I said, well, that's cool. I can like, we can like win these things. So her and I, I did another one with her and then it went from another 5k to another 5k to a 10k was the next goal. Because once you feel good about, a, you know, that achievement, that's a big deal. Like I ran a 5k, I'm a 5k runner. Like I started reading about it and learning more about, how you're supposed to run those things, what pacing is, what's a good pace, what's a good time for a 5k uh, and all those things. And you start, you know, it's self-taught at, you know, at that time, 10k, same thing. And then, you know, it spiraled into this triathlon thing too, but yeah, not without a half marathon first and a marathon and all that good stuff, but yeah, started with 5k. And I think everybody I know that does any kind of um, endurance sports, they all say, well, it started with a 5K because that's how it begins. It, it, the funny thing is the simplest, littlest thing in the world, a ribbon or any other, um, you know, way that you get recognized, you know, competing in some small uh, summer series like that. And we've all, uh, anybody who's listening to the show who's an avid runner, there's, there's these series going all over the place in local parks, New Jersey, New York City, Connecticut, Long Island, or any other part of the U.S. where you're from. And those those uh those series are great and they have an impact on people because 
they they get you to come back for more. If it's a Tuesday night race or a Thursday night race or a weekend um, cross country series, um, it starts to build that community feeling, and you start realizing, hey, if I show up, I'm going to see the same group of people again, and you yep, start you to start make the start same to, faces. Yeah, you start mm-hmm. making friends and. You start exchanging phone numbers. If you go back as long as I did before we had Instagram and Facebook and all that, it was phone numbers. Hey, man, let's meet for a run sometime. And, and uh, you know, then you start to do these races and, you know, you start finding that you're really competitive. Like, hey, man, I want to win. I want to win that medal or the ribbon. I want to win the H group. And then 5K, like you said, like seemed really far. Of course it was far. Three miles is far. But, you know, now it doesn't, it doesn't even seem like it would count, but... A long time ago, the idea of running three miles would have seemed oh my crazy. Gosh, it was daunting. Yeah. Daunting. And and slow to say yeah. the least. Of this course. Was, you know. <laughs> of course. And then worked your way up, you know, 10K half marathons and um, you know, and the like. And I then you and you even did um a full marathon as well, right? You said when you were first first getting going and um you were enjoying that experience and then you were invited to do like a neighborhood triathlon right that was oh yeah, yeah. this is you know back when uh, triathlon has grown in popularity so much especially in the last couple of years right so anybody i know that's a triathlete most of them started out as a runner you know that i was just a runner <laughs> is like famous last words but then i'm um, yeah there was a local I mean, at the time, I only heard of, and not even someone I knew in person, only heard of one or two folks that did an Ironman. And it was like, whoa, they were <laughs> they were like famous in our tiny little community here, right? So, but now, you know, you, you come in contact with somebody and you're like, oh, which Ironman are you doing this year? Because everybody now has been introduced to it, loves it, hates it, whatever it is, but they do. So yeah, I, my husband now he had been my best friend my entire life we met in college and um besties ever since we were 17 years old so he and I would run together every once in a while with my friend Liz who I mentioned earlier they were childhood friends and we all went to college together so there is a little bit of background on our friendship so he had said you know hey there's this triathlon it's called the trislip sprint triathlon it was like in Islip, New York, they don't even have it anymore. It doesn't even exist, but it was like a field of, I don't even know, separated by age groups. How many people participated? Probably 150, maybe 130 overall. Um, but it was small and it was short, it was a super sprint. It was like a 300 meter swim or 400 meter swim, uh, like a 10 mile bike and a 2.8 mile run, something really small and really short. And I was like, triathlon, I don't I don't know how to do a triathlon. I don't even know what that really is. And he was like, no, 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 it'll be fun. Together, we went to the triathlon store and we rented wetsuits because no one owned a wetsuit or even, I didn't even know what you really needed it for. I had a bike that was like my, my husband at the time, his mountain bike, like a Schwinn mountain bike, (laughs) a unisex unisex mountain bike. I love it. You didn't, you didn't wear, you know, running watches or anything. So you had no idea what time you were running in. But yeah, we showed up that morning. I signed up for the thing. We showed up. I swam or doggy paddled or whatever it was that got me through the, you know, around the buoys and back in and on the bike. And I think, and I have pictures and that you'll have to, I'll have to show them to you. These like transformation <laughs> pictures with the bike helmet that's sideways on my head that I bought in Kmart the day before. It was kind of like, it's obscene and it's ridiculous and so laughable at this point. 
but yeah, it was like, and then I got on the run and I finished and, you know, every person that finishes, they help take from you on the, in the finisher shoot. So they held it for every participant to, to run through the, the tape. And I remember like just pushing it out of my way. Cause I didn't know that I was supposed to like, yeah, run through <laughs> it. And it was like, get this thing out of here. I yeah. finished, I finished. And it was so many moments of embarrassment, but also like elation at the same time. Cause I was like, oh, I just did a triathlon like that was so cool and it was awful i think i was probably one of the last finishers because just didn't know any better on how to pace yourself push yourself what you're supposed to be doing but i was like when's the next one <laughs> that's epic um what a great story the finish line tape is absolutely classic crack up crack up city <laughs> like, you know you thought they were gonna like lock you up and tape you up yeah, and had, haul exactly. you off or something but um, I think some of my favorite stories though are friends, you know, the first, I've got friends who the first run, first running race they ever did was an ultra. Like, I mean, I've got a pretty eclectic group of friends and just all over the place in terms of how we got involved with getting involved in this, uh, you know, fitness lifestyle. Um, it is a lifestyle and, you know, wearing a crazy helmet, riding, you know, some wacko bike, you know, with no clips and no shoes or anything. Like it seems impossible, but it's, it's only fitting because when people look at an Instagram page today and they see, you know, an absolute badass tricked out bike and they see an awesome racing kit and they see somebody who's like, you know, massively equipped with all this gear and stuff and super fit, you know, you just, everybody looks like a pro for, for the most part and, and trains and races like pros and are super fit people. But man, we all got our start similarly to that, you know, riding on some crazy ass mountain bike that didn't fit us and, you know, or renting a wetsuit. That's even better. You know, like back then surfers were like the only ones who had wetsuits. You know, if you weren't a surfer, you didn't have a wetsuit, even though one was. And <laughs> I remember conning, um, one my best friend's, uh, younger brother at the time, we used to play a lot of tennis tournaments. He was a college tennis player. And it was something we just started to do after college just cause, you know, I was a college D one college baseball player and, you know, I hadn't found, you know, a lot of things that could engage me, you know, from being a team sport athlete and a competitive athlete, um, in that way. And I was like, wow, triathlon, this is fun. You know, I was dating a girl who used to do all these long bike rides and she did rag bride, which is like riding bikes across the state of Iowa and you camp outside and she had all these long distance rides and I'd show up and they hammered the shit out of me, Dan. He was like beat down. I was like, I was like, I'm embarrassed. I suck. Yes, I can't yes. even ride a bike and they're riding like a hundred miles. And I'm like, I need to stop like every 15 miles. Cause my ass hurts. I'm, I, I feel like way out of shape. And I just remember that was my introduction to it. Cause then two weeks later, she's like, we're all going to do a triathlon similarly to you. And I was like, well, I don't know how to swim. I mean, I can swim in the ocean and swim in a lake, but I don't really know how to swim. And she's like, Oh, you'll be fine. Yeah, I damn near drowned. And I did the same thing, you know, the way you got roped in. I conned <laughs> one of my friends to go to San Diego. I'm like, look, San Diego, you have to understand, it's pancake flat. There's no hills in San Diego. It's going to be the easiest bike and running course in the world. The swim is in like a bay. I think it was in Coronado Bay. Now, so this is not going to be a hard triathlon. Well, sure enough, there was like waves in the swim. The kid nearly drowned. The bike we were supposed to rent for him and get him, 
it wasn't available. And he ended up on a bike that was like five sizes off from his frame. And then <laughs> I tell him there's no hills in San Diego because the parts I'd been, there weren't any hills. <laughs> sure enough, we get into this bike course and we make a turn, you know, coming out from where all the naval ships are and all the stuff down there. And I'm like, I look up and I'm like, what the fuck is this hill? And I remember I almost came out of my pedals climbing and I was back then... I had just gotten into the sport, but my riding was okay. And my riding was, if anything, pretty decent for a brand new person because I was a strong runner. And I remember getting to the top of the hill going, oh no, he'll never (laughs) make it up here. And sure enough, after the race, and it's so ironic because Bud Light used to sponsor the races then. This is like my early 30s. So you get beer companies sponsoring triathlons and marathons (laughs) and giving out their beer and Corona and Bud Light. And everybody's getting hammered after the race. And I went to the race director. I must have gone to him like 50 times. Um, Have you seen... You know, I don't want to say his name out loud because if he's yeah. listening, you know, have you seen this person? <laughs> uh, no. Like, well, it, it could he have gotten pulled out of the water? You know, I, I don't know. And then finally, you know, like God knows how much longer after I finally found him and he was okay and he didn't hate me and he survived <laughs> and he finished. Um, but yeah, so we all have some kind of crazy ass wacko story. Um, but I also thought that would be a fun place to branch off a little you know, um, we're going to get into your creds and how awesome you've been doing with your racing now, like circa 2020, 2018, 2019, you know, going backwards and things that you've qualified for and done. But way back then, you had a huge fear of swimming in open water, like so many people. And for anybody who's listening today, this is all for you because I know I was not afraid of the open water in terms of I could go in and swim and boogie board and ride and body surf waves for hours. I could outlast the youngest of kids and I'd be out there. I'd be the oldest dude out there boogie board and body surfing all day. But you try to put me in a lake or an ocean with waves and I didn't really even know how to breathe properly on, on one side or the other. And, you know, hyperventilating, panicking, getting kicked, elbowed. It was not pretty. So I think there's people out there in these COVID times, we talk for coming on the air, they might just be looking for something different. You know, not to like crush anybody's mood, but I personally don't think any majors are going to happen this year. And if they do, maybe we'll get lucky. It'll be the end of the year majors like New York, November, that first Sunday, um, maybe London in October. But I just don't believe any of the earlier you know, marathon majors are going to happen in the first half of this year. If anything, I think it's going to be late into the year. So for anybody out there that's looking for something different and you're a good runner already, man, you got to give triathlon a try. And if you've ever, if your fear has always been, I can't swim, I can't do open water. Danny's going to tell us a little about what her experience was like and now how she's not only graduated from that and became a badass Ironman, but also what she's doing with her athletes that she coaches. Yeah, uh, totally. And that's, there's no shame in my game. Like there's, there's a list of accomplishments, but they didn't come without a list of disappointments (laughs) as well. So they're in the beginning with triathlon swimming. I mean, could I swim? Yeah. I grew up on the South shore of Long Island. I go to the beach. I like you can play around on a surfboard, a boogie board. Um, you know, you're frolicking around with your friends, same thing with swimming pools and things like that. Never scared, not scared of sharks, not scared of jellyfish, not scared of any of that stuff. Um, but to swim in it, there was something that when you put yourself in an environment you're uncertain about and it's big, right? So the thing for me was like spatial, this open water spatial swim. It was like, 
certain bodies of water, I was okay. Little tiny rivers that I felt were narrow and almost like could could hug you, (laughs) you know, where you felt like you were closed in a little bit. It's the large bodies of water that freaked me out and crippling, sickening, crippling fear. It's real. Um, It hurts. It has done everything but made me hyper. It's made me hyperventilate, cry, curse myself, want to quit, um, all of those things. And I could never put my finger on what exactly it was. It was just, it was like, be so geared up for triathlon. And then all of a sudden I get in the water and this is practice swims with groups. I mean, I've been involved with triathlon people, teams, groups, all all along and they'd be cheering you on saying Danny you could do this you got this you got this and with every swim coach and every technique and everything that I learned the thing I could not get through was that fear so yeah I'd be successful in the pool I hired swim coaches who were like yes you're capable you can do this your time is good this is good your stroke looks great uh you're kicking good you're doing this or fix this higher elbows keep your head further in the water, like all the points, all the cues, all the tips, um, which with practice were easily refined. However, (laughs) I'd get to race day and something would just happen. And it went through my stomach to my brain to the point where there were, I had my very first half Ironman was a technical DNF. My swim time took that long. The water, I swam the practice swim the day before and I was fine. Swim it with no wetsuit. Wetsuit acts like a security blanket for most of us. And even to this day, sometimes it feels like, all right, if I'm in a wetsuit, I'm good. You know, I'm not going to drown. I won't die. I will make it out of the water. It helps you float. It helps you get through the water faster. Yes. True to all of those things. Right. So I did the practice swim the day before and I was fine. No wetsuit. I'm happy, so excited. Tomorrow's my first half Ironman. I'm going to crush this, blah, blah, blah. That morning, Ray, my husband is fixing my swim cap and this fear in my face, he's like, you got this. I'm like, I don't got this. And I looked out and I, you could see the buoys now they're all buoys are all set up. And I'm like, that's really far out there. And it was windy and it was choppy. And of course it was what I thought at the time was the worst possible swim ever to be swam. (laughs) How are they holding a race today? I can't believe it. It's so choppy, but you know what? I started and I got out to the first probably 25 meters and I was panicked on my back crying. How am I going to do this? Everybody's watching me because I pumped it up to be like my first half Ironman. Everybody's watching me. What are they going to say? you know, and worried. And then here I am, I'm getting in my head, worried about what people are saying, worried about having a heart attack out there because I I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. Stop it. Literally every single kayak to take a breath. And I would tell the volunteer how nervous I was, how scared I was. And every single one of them was like, take a couple deep breaths. Got this. You're going to make it. And I kept looking at my watch, looking at my watch, looking at my watch, like, I'm going to make this. I do push myself through that swim. I think I was like, and I shouldn't quote how far behind the hour and 10 minutes I was. I think it was like an hour 12, right? But they let me, they let me out of the water. They did not take my timing chip. They let me continue the race. So in my head, I was doing this 70.3 distance, whether it killed me that day. So I did. 
and it was a hilly, monstrous, mountainous bike ride. It took me so much longer than it should have on that as well. And I cried at the last half mile, like, oh my God, I have to run a half marathon. This is 97 degrees. I felt like shit. Um, I was disappointed. Um, but I ran and the run was what made me so happy that day. I ran and I was eating snacks from all the people handing out snacks and people are drinking beer and I'm, you know, everybody's partying on the run. So I was like back in my, you know, in my groove and, and I finished the thing and it was a very long time. It was seven hours and change. And it was, I was probably one of the last 50 people into the end of the race. I didn't care. I was so proud of like pushing through all of that. And I had a full Ironman scheduled like two months later. <laughs> so I was like, there's no way I could do full Ironman. There's no way. I I did. And um, the same thing. It was one of those. I had a swim coach who guided me through all of the mechanics. And she was awesome. And she had all the confidence in the world for me. And she came to the race with me in uh, Louisville. That was Louisville in 2016. And uh, my husband was there. And my my core crew of people I trained with and practice with. And they watched me panic every week in open water swims. And they, you know, people just, they kind of just support you and help you and just tell you it's going to be okay. And the same thing happened. I went out, I went out for the first part of the swim, um, was, was good. It was easy. I was calm. It was in this narrow part of the river and you make anybody who's done Ironman Louisville knows you swim upstream. Right. And even the current that was against me didn't phase me didn't bother me. I was swimming pretty good pace. I made that turn where you turn around the island and the river opens up into this gigantic body of water. And I was, you know, you see the three bridges that you're supposed to swim under. I'm looking around. I literally come up perpendicular and I'm like paralyzed. How am I going to finish this? I was so good. I was so confident. I got this far and I was swimming fast. And there was kayak after kayak after kayak. I just couldn't catch my breath. So I, what I did was I had to tackle it mentally and just break it off. If I could swim to the next kayaker or to the next buoy, I'd be okay. And I could take a break there. And I did. And I made it out of the water with five minutes to spare. I was dead ass last person in the race out of the water. I made it within the within the required time, dead ass last. But you know what? I was so happy. I think I did cartwheels out into transition. <laughs> it was Love one of those, it. like it was a two hour swim, and it was took so much of my energy. But you know what? I got on the bike, and I was starting to pass people. And then when I got off the bike and I got on the run, I was passing everyone. I'm high. I was it, it, to this day, hands down, one of the top three days of, of my life, <laughs> like the best day ever. And, um, from that point on, I ended up, I, I had changed swimming coaches and cause I kept still in the back of my head. I was like, it has to be something with the swim. What am I not learning? What am I not getting? And I hired this elite athlete who is, he's famous on Long Island as like the man he's fast. He's, you know, fast, super talented, um, amazing, amazing person. And I, and I hired him and I spent a lot of money and a lot of time, um, you know, going over these mechanics again. And he fixed little things with me. And he tells me one time he goes, I cannot fix scared. 
I just can't. He's like, you swim fine in the pool, but you get out into the open water. Cause we would do both. We'd swim in the pool, we'd swim in the open water. And he's like, I cannot fix whatever that is in your head. And I was like, I don't know what to do either because you swim confidently in the pool, you swim confidently on your own, but you get into these groups or these bigger things and I just lose my shit. So we had a, you know, we kept training like that. And he just, he was a coach that was, that was said flat out, I'm not going to deal with that. So either you're going to swim or we're not swimming kind of thing, which is exactly what I needed. I didn't need any more of that. Like you can do this. Let's get through this. It was like, I needed the hard line cut for me. You didn't need the, you, you got this, you're five miles into the marathon and people are yelling, you got this and you look great. And it's like, fuck off. (laughs) The 20, the 20 mile wall when they're like, yeah, Yeah. you're almost there. You're like, fuck you. I am not, I'm not even (laughs) close to almost there. So go, go spin your bullshit to somebody else. But thanks for coming out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he did it. He scheduled an open water swim for, I was supposed to swim like my two mile swim that day. And he, we did it. Hurricane Nate. It was the year of hurricane Nate <laughs> for swimming in the North shore. I love it. I said, he's got to be crazy. He set up a buoy course and all you see is these tied up, you know, little, uh, center console boats that are anchored out there and tied up in there, rocking everywhere. And we did it and we did it. It was pouring rain. It was tumultuous. It was seasickness beyond. I never looked back ever. Every race from that point forward, I have, and I got this and I did it with smile on my face. Not that terrified look that you can look back at like finisher photos. You see me coming out of the swim early on in my long course or my, or even my short course where I'd be like t- terrified. The face said it all right Yeah. to the confidence, to the rock on, to throwing shockers up there to yeah. like, you know, all of it, all smiles, ripping the goggles off. Like I did that shit and I did it. And I have races that I did it without a wetsuit. There were wetsuit illegal races and you just, each of those battles, you know, as you overcome them, they're like, they become teaching tools for me. So like anybody that I've ever, you know, worked with, taught with, trained with, even just buddy system, we all have our stories that we share together to kind of motivate or at least bring it to reality that like this shit happens and it's real. And like you can and will get through it if you find the way that that works for you. And for me, it was put me in the worst situation possible. Like don't give me any assistance. Don't put me in a race environment where I have a kayak I could swim up on because that's a crutch to me because I know I can get there and I'm going to stop there. But if you put me out there in a hurricane where no one's out there and no one's to help me, I have to do it myself. Like I had to swim it. So I think it was an epic day and the realization that I, I had this in me all along, but I had to have it cut and dry like that. Like I didn't need the the crutch and I, I I needed somebody to just literally throw me off the side of a boat and swim in. (laughs) So what an, what an epic experience to go through. And, um, I usually traumatizing. It really was. Yeah. I say it with all the love in my heart that it was real. And my story, there's no shame in that. Like you can be, um, not that great at something and then become pretty damn good at it. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of, you know, the show and diving into stuff. It isn't just about the big wins we have in our life. And 
and um, you know, breaking tape and not even understanding what breaking tape was because you're such a rookie and a noob. You're just like, get this shit off of me. But um, you know, for everybody out there, it it applies to all sports. It applies to running. It applies to cycling, triathlon, swimming. We all have our phobias, man. We all have our bet noirs. We all have something that are like, oh God, no, not that. Um, I can't run in the humidity when it's 90%. I'll fucking fail. You know what? You can if you prepare for it, if you take it on, and if you work on it. Now, swimming is one of the most technical things in the world. I can get on a bike after 20-something years, and literally in a matter of a couple of weeks, I was able to start grinding a ton of miles and handle a lot of hills and really run, um, ride really respectable paces again. I wasn't trying to race or anything. I was just trying to get comfortable on the bike again, handling a bike, having people around me on a bike, you know, climbing hills, et cetera, just all of it. 20 something years away is a long time. Swimming is just an out-of-body experience. If you grew up as a kid and you were a swimmer and you swam in high school and college and all, well, then you can just look at everybody else like, fuck off, I'm a swimmer, man. You know, and you got the shoulders and the back and you're fucking badass and you get on the deck and you have perfect clip turns. And then there's me or you who are like, this shit is scary, man. I don't know how to do this shit. I don't know how to breathe on my left side or my right side. I don't know bilateral breathing. I don't know any of this stuff. But you know what? You can learn. But I think the most powerful part of your story is, yeah, you hired really good coaches. You worked on the technical aspect of your stroke. But the truth is, we can work on any technical aspect of any sport, okay? And for the, all of my running friends out there that are focusing on their cadence and they want to change their running form, they don't want to be a heel striker anymore. You know what I say to you? Fuck off, man. You learned how to run the way your body is designed to run. You know, unless you're an Olympian and you've got, you know, biomechanical experts filming you and studying you <laughs> in Colorado Springs and they're telling you to be a mid-striker or a four-foot striker, the idea of changing how you run is ludicrous, okay? It's ludicrous. But swimming, which is really technical, your stroke, entry in the water, your pull, your catch, all these different things that go on. Yeah, you can do all those things. And with an elite coach even or elite coaches, but at some point... That's not what the problem is. And I loved how you explained it because it is real. It is incredibly real. I mean, it's, I can feel it right now. That feeling of, yes, I was able to build up to be able to swim a mile 1.2. When my friend qualified for Kona, he worked for FedEx. So he could fly anywhere FedEx flew on their cargo planes. Like he flew all over the world. He did, he did Ironman Lanzarote. He did Ironman New Zealand, Ironman Australia. He was racing Ironmans all over the world because he was an endurance freak. And his best chance to qualify for Kona was racing in an Ironman, not racing in a 70.3 or shorter. And I mean, he was elite, elite. I mean, he was missing by one spot for years. And I told him, I go, dude, you make it to Kona. I'm rolling with you. I'm going, I'm coming to Kona. And sure enough, the motherfucker makes it. He qualifies for Kona, Tim Monaco. Uh, we trained with a Ridgewood triathlon club, Ridgewood, New Jersey. And, um, he was a badass. He qualified. And I, Went out there, Danny, and it was the experience of a lifetime. To, if anybody's ever watched the Iron Man on, t on TV, I don't think there's anything more emotional or more moving in a day. It is, it is television production at its highest 
and most visceral quality. I mean, you will be moved to tears many times, whether you're watching Chris Nickick, you know, a Down syndrome kid, complete an Ironman, be the first one ever to do it. Or it's a human interest story of someone else who has cancer or they're fighting some other illness or whatever, you know, human interest story they weave into that day. Not to mention the elites and the age groupers who are out there tearing up, you know, oh, Kona and, and ripping it. But I got to go there, Dana. I got to get off the and plane. And I'd never swam more than 1.2 miles at that point. And the course is set up with the real buoys in Kyle, Kailea Bay or wherever the hell you say it. And back then, Gatorade was the primary sponsor. I don't know who is these days, but that the giant Gatorade buoy was at the at the turnaround at 1.2 miles. Now, my friend's like, oh, dude, you can swim 2.4 miles. I'm like, Tim, I can't swim 2.4 miles. He goes, look, this, there's so much salt in this water, like no one could sink. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I feel you. And he's like, I, it's important to me. I want to get out to that buoy. I want to see my sight lines. I said, all right, fine. He just was driving me crazy. I'm like, all right, I'll go. Danny, I like ripped up my shoulder because my stroke became so unbalanced at one point or another where I was just putting <laughs> all the emphasis on my right side because I'm right arm. I made it all the way out there. I'm just letting anybody know, like, I can't believe how far away the shore looked from what, because in their old swim course, it's 1.2 out, 1.2 back. Other ones, you know, you're doing all these crazy turns like you're talking about in Louisville, but there was just like, what? Like, I no, can barely see. And yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, you can barely see the hotel on the beach, but so I got to swim the course with him. And then we biked, we didn't bike, we biked different parts of the bike course. He wanted to see different parts. We got out to Javi where the turnaround is for the 112. And we ran past the natural energy lab because we'd heard about it for years. Had and, to, you and, have to. Yeah. And, but being there and being on the course with him and the same way you see it turn from light to dark and then the moon comes up and all those things that happen there. Like I'm getting chills. Just I'm back there. I'm, I'm back there. I remember him coming down the road. I remember seeing his face come across the line and we didn't have all this GPS shit like today where you would know exactly like your husband, you know, Ray's going to go, Oh, where's Danny? He had no fucking idea where you were. You could be, you could be still on the bike. You know, you wouldn't even know now it's like, all right, man, you know, Danny's like 46 miles in and you know, she's on the bike and you know, here she's going and she's averaging 17.7. Like, we didn't know anything back then, but for me to go there and to see that experience, but hearing you talk about it, it just, it brings it all back because the open water, it couldn't be any more different. You had all the coaches working with you, all of your technique, all the other stuff. And you just, you said it so well, because being in a river or a more narrow thing, I get you, man. I feel you because it's, I don't know, it's not a security blanket like a wetsuit, but it just doesn't feel as bad. But you go in a full ocean where the waves are coming over both sides and maybe hitting you where you breathe. And then you get some swimmers coming up and elbowing you and kicking you. And it's like, oh boy, I don't know what's going on here. So I think that's so awesome that you came from that spot of like paralyzing fear. And, oh my gosh. and for everybody out there, man, that's why I don't do that whole, you got this shit. I'm not a person who does it. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't love all my friends on Instagram or all my running clubs and all my other stuff, but that's just not my thing. Like, you got this. I might be like, crush it, kill it, whatever, but no, no one's got anything, okay? No. Like, people are writing to me. I'm signed up for my first 100 mile. Oh, dude, you're going to crush that 100 mile. I'm like, uh, no, more like I'm going to get crushed. I'm going to be hallucinating. And if I'm lucky, I have a chance on earth, I will somehow finish 100 mile. Yeah, Every gonna, single time. You're going to crush Every it. Every single time. You got this. You have to have the mindset like, 
Yeah, it's because you don't know what the day is going to serve up to you. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, you could have those five foot swells. You got the waves coming in on the side. You breathe, right? So you breathe on the right side and it's just all coming right in. So you got to this point, you you went out there and swam in basically a hurricane and- that took that phobia away. So it was a pivotal, pivotal moment. Changed okay. everything. Yeah. So that that brought you through to the other side. And now that fear is no longer there. So you had three things that you have to master as a triathlete, or at least be proficient. You don't have to master. You, most people can be either a really great swimmer to start with. So then they become pretty good in the bike or the run, but they're not going to necessarily be as good as other people. If you're a really good runner, it's usually will help you a lot on the bike too, but swimming is probably going to be a big problem. So it's, it just depends, but to be able to, that's why I have such respect for the sport because man, it's a, it's just a lot. And it takes, it takes a lot to, to be able to pull it together. Like if you, if you can't get through the swim, all that training you put on the bike and all that training on the run, like if you don't finish the swim, there is no bike or run. You're out. <laughs> Just that's it. If you don't make the cutoff and in Louisville, you only made it by what, about 10 or 15 minutes or? I think it was five minutes, five minutes. on okay. the swim. Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was like a, a the window was closing was, in on me yeah, yeah, <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. But I loved, um, I loved how you described it because once you got out of the water, that's when the party began because you knew, you knew you made it, man. You think you said you did a cartwheel or whatever, like you made it. And it's amazing because most people would, wouldn't, don't understand like the endurance athletes mindset. Like you already won because well, it was like, I knew that day I got out of that swim with enough time. It was, I will say plenty of time, right. Because it was within the time frame. Um, so I said, I don't care if my bike breaks down, if I crash, if I die on any other part of this race, <laughs> as long as I made the time in that swim day is done for me. That was, vict- I was victorious right there. So I didn't care. I was like, I could DNF on the bike and I don't give a shit. Cause I know, I know how to ride a bike and I know that, you know, I can run. So it was, yeah. And I can remember every single moment of that day, this many years later, like, it's just, I remember all the feels, all the smells and all, you know, just all of it. That's awesome. Well, the win, like you said, the win was to, to conquer the swim. And to, to get in and out of that water, whether you had to take a break at a kayak or backstroke or sidestroke, doesn't matter. You got the hell out of that water. And that would be absolutely the biggest single thing for me. Uh, of course, I may not finish the bike or the run. Of course, you could have mechanical problems. All sorts of things can happen, as you know. Yeah, there's and, no crystal and, ball. <laughs> you know, none of us have any control of it. But I feel like that's where we would be in the locked in mindset. If I could get out of that water... I don't care if I had one second to go and they let me go into the transition. Exactly. I just, yeah, I just be and like, that's the thing. It set me up for future races. Cause I, I do short distance and Olympic distance um, as well. So, you know, following that, you know, I would, there's a girlfriend of mine and we would do a relay every year for the same race. It's a local race here on, on Long Island triathlon. And we relay it every single year. And we typically rotate which discipline we take, but I wanted to do the swim because it wasn't about us winning. It was about me focusing on my weakest link. So ends up that we ended up winning that year anyway, which was fantastic. (laughs) So my girlfriend and I, she did the bike. I did the swim and the run. And that's how we worked it out that year. And we took first place in the relay, which was stupendous to me because it was like, you know, you can, 
you can do hard things. That's, so. that's super. And you know, that's how we get better at our weaknesses. And well, that's it. It's one of the things I like to spend time talking about with my guests are like, this is, there's never been a better time to self-evaluate. There's never been a better time to go Goggins and go accountability mirror and just say, Hey man, what are my weaknesses? What are my strengths? You know, what can I improve? What am I afraid of? What have I not really challenged myself with? Like, what have I really not, what am I really not being honest about in terms of like my current, you know, situation? Like, where am I at? Like, what can I do? And, you know, if you can't race a bunch of marathon majors and that's your thing, well, then guess what? You better find something else to do because you got to keep moving forward. So find some trail races, man. Get involved in the ultra world. Is it virtual stuff? Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. So you got to, you got to find something and you know, whatever that is, you know, stick with that, you know, you know, ramp up your mileage, work on your strength, you know, work on your conditioning outside of running, you know, foam roll more, you know, work on strength and flexibility, you know, add in some other stuff. If you're a shorter distance runner and you like to race and you're into track or cross country, I mean, work on form and drills. I mean, there's always some way to self-evaluate, self-scout your own capabilities and performance, you know, as an athlete, even if you're not a coach, you are coaching other athletes. So, you know, how does that, you know, I know you are obviously evaluating your own self and you've worked through your swimming stuff, but how about for the athletes that you're coaching? Yeah, my athletes, um, I think I've explained to you a little bit off the air that, you know, my husband and I started our business, a coaching business, uh, to prepare for his retirement from the New York city police department and to fulfill goals of my own, because I have had so many amazing coaches who have taught me so much um, by way of mechanics and also life and triathlon being such a big part of my life. It is my lifestyle, not just, you know, it, this passion of mine. So I wanted to give back to people that may be intimidated by, um, I guess I should say, faster, stronger, more seasoned athletes. So I have a roster of really a lot of beginners, people who uh, were former soccer players, a former runner, a baseball player, somebody who was boxing, someone who did their first half marathon and wants to do a triathlon, um, or just, you know, to challenge themselves with something they've never done. So we have taken um, that route and the people that have gravitated towards us are people like my husband who either are police, fire, military, medical professionals who have very off schedules and they don't have the ability to train on a normal Monday through Friday, short stuff, Saturday, Sunday, long stuff. They may not have that kind of availability. So we have an understanding of people with very swinging schedules, um, long work days, 12 hour tours, 24 hour tours or shifts, if you will. Um, So we have found a little niche of those folks who are goal-oriented, um, athletes of some sort, one way or another, and they're looking for guidance in all of the disciplines. So it actually helps us realize how much we do know by having people who don't know anything <laughs> about any of the three, from whether it's how to put goggles on to get in the pool, or it's how, what sneakers should I be wearing for the run? What is a triathlon bike? What's a road bike? What's the difference? How do I ride a bike? How do I change gears? What do I need to ride inside? What's nutrition like? What's an Ironman like? And they, you know, they see through social media and 
anywhere else, whether it's the Goggins of the world or it's, you know, Iron Man, they say, I want to do that too, because the hype is there um, and it's motivational and people have, people are goal oriented. You have to set something for yourself to do. Otherwise, what are you doing in this space? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. We work with all of my athletes. Most of my athletes are, are pretty new to triathlon. They've done one or two or one of the three sports of triathlon. Um, Some people I coach are just runners and want to get faster. Um, Some of the people I coach just need some adult swim instruction. Some people want all three. Some people just need a plan because they don't know how to find a plan. And um, it's been working out pretty well for us. And we just find that our experiences are what help us teach the newcomers. And we love that. And we're a referral-based business. I don't really like advertise or anything like that. I'm not looking to get rich. I had to explain that to you. This was something I did out of out of passion. And I've networked myself um, where we've become coaches for affiliate teams so that we're involved with a number of different triathlon teams nationwide and locally. And that helps us. And we meet people in the community, local and abroad. So it's just so much fun to meet different people and share experience. And, you know, if we can cover our race expenses and stuff like that with what we make, I mean, I'm not paying my mortgage with it, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like it's something that we just set out to do and, and, you know, it's become my, my life, my business, my baby. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's wonderful because it's a way to give back and, um, you know, it's not some massive financial windfall, but you're sharing things that you've learned along the way, um, things that helped you break through, um, you know, your phobia with open water swimming and other things. And, you know, so that they don't have to go to a Walmart to buy a helmet or, you know, get some crazy ass mountain bike and, you know, not be running in a decent pair of shoes where they might exactly. protect, potentially injure themselves. And, you know, well, that's you, the thing. Yeah. Trying to protect people from injury um, as well as, you know, teach them. And then, you know, we have a lot of people who just want to be better and better and better. So, you know, you do heart rate run tests and power tests on the bike and they're like, all right, I want a better number. So we do it again in six weeks because we program the workout so that you're constantly improving on the things you want to improve on. People want to get fast. People just want to get out there. They want to race. They want to be fast. They want to do good at what they're doing. Um, yeah, it's, it's so much fun and it's a learning curve for all of us. I mean, we had to take, I mean, I was in, we trained, gosh, for like two years taking classes to certify in everything, whether it was US, UESCA for the running, USAT for triathlon, it's Ironman U, um, and then everything beyond that, USMS and US, uh, you know, all these certifications and courses and seminars and weekends and physical tests and all that, just to know that we know what we're talking about. Um, and I do love sharing the experience. I had I have a set of brothers who are new clients and they came on in the summer when pools are shut down over COVID. They don't know how to swim. One's a bodybuilder. The other one's a former uh, baseball player, both solid athletes in what they do. One guy owns a gym. He's a personal trainer, owns a gym. He knows fitness. He knows nutrition, does not know triathlon. <laughs> he doesn't know how to swim. And, you know, we taught these guys and we put them in the open water typically backwards from what most coaches would do, because normally you'd start in the pool, work your skill set, and then put you in the open water to train for a race. We did it backwards. There were no pools. So we went right into the bay. 
<laughs> right into the open water and taught, listen, this is how you're going to get through it. And now we're back in the pool as pools start to open and being able to hone in on, you know, mechanics and stuff like that. But I mean, two guys didn't know even how to, what kind of goggles I should wear mirrored. Do I wear clears? Do I wear tinted? Like, what are we doing to now we're in the pool and we're doing all kinds of drills with kickboards and fins and paddles and all that stuff. So it's, it's an evolution. It's super cool. And, um, you know, there's, there's a very different feeling about helping people get a start from ground zero, literally from nothing at all, or taking somebody who's actually pretty competitive and maybe an age group athlete and really helping them hit a huge goal. Um, it's, it's every bit as, uh, a wonderful feeling as yourself making a Boston marathon or qualifying to run in Kona, uh, qualifying to race in Kona. Like it's, it's incredible because you're part of that. You know, you're writing the workouts, you're encouraging them, you know, you're, you're instructing them and you're giving them guidance. So when one of them does something, uh, epic, you win together. And when one of them doesn't, when one of them struggles or fails in a race, that's what a support system is all about. That's why you have a community. That's why you build a community because it's not the bullshit. You got this. It's like, Hey, because for all the people out there that meant all the best feelings in the world, when they were telling you that, no, like that's not going to solve anything. You know, sure. It's nice that somebody says that, but yeah, it's not going to fix if you're deathly afraid of swimming in open water, which me and many other people like yourself have faced at some point or another. And when I get back to doing try, it's going to be a real thing that I'll have to come to grips with myself. And there's no question, you know, you got to spend more time in the open water. There's just no way it's around just, it. It's, it builds yeah. your confidence. Yeah. And that's, you know, people run. And they're okay with running because they're confident nothing's going to happen to them. Okay, so you might have to stop and tie your shoelace or you might have to stop and take a drink or roll, stretch out your calf or whatever, but you're on solid ground. The thing with swimming is that's not a natural habitat for any of us. No. We don't have gills. We're not fish. No, and you can't, <laughs> so you, like, can't you can't see. I think, I think that's see, another big breathe. part. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, breathe, why? yeah, but I mean, you once you learn how to breathe, you can breathe. But I think the hard part is just the vision part. I just, you know, if the water's brownish or green or, you know. out of your control. It is. It really is. It is all, because you're right. On a bike, yeah, and you can look down at the ground, it's right below you. When you're running, you're running. Swimming, you can't see shit, you know? And if you look too much, you're going to get clocked in the head and all kinds of other things are going on. So, yeah, it's... uh it's a, it's an interesting part of the journey, but, um, it's something just like you've done, you know, that can be overcome and it's great. And it's great that you shared that piece of it because not only will it help me personally, but it's going to help anybody else who's maybe been afraid to try, you know, give triathlon a shot, or they've used that as their crutching. Oh, I could never do that. Or I couldn't do that. Yes, you can. Anyone can do it. Anybody can do it. If your goal is to overcome something, you will figure out a way to do it. But it comes from hard work. It comes from not being afraid to fail. It comes from not being afraid to get your ass kicked over and over again and just keep getting back up and saying, you know what? I'm going to figure this shit out. I'm not going to miss it. the cutoff. I'm going to make it underneath that time. And then once you do, then you get to do a cartwheel when you get to go on the bike and the run. Yes. <laughs> Although I'm not doing any cartwheels because you were the gymnast. So I won't be doing I any was. cartwheels, <laughs> but I'll be flashing all kinds of signs up and I'll be like talking to all the people by the water and being like, yeah, what's up? What's up? And I'll go over and get on my bike. I'll be like, yeah, let's go. And I'll be like, oh shit, I got, I got to ride 112 miles. What the fuck? <laughs> what am I so excited about? You know? 
You know, the mar- there's a medal at the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Well, no, you know, you know, you got to hear that you are an Ironman three times or four times. How many times have three. you? Three. Three. So that's epic. Was it, was it like life-changing hearing it? Was it like insane, super cool, give you chills? It's, it's super cool. It's, it is, like I said, some of the best experiences of my life. It's all the feels over and over again, whether you're racing or even like I've spectated a number of Ironman races and to be on either side is, is really incredible. The energy is just, and the same thing, even for marathons too, like my one and only standalone was New York city and it was the best day ever. (laughs) It was a giant block party for 26.2 miles. And it was so much fun as hard as it was, but like Every hill, every bridge, every crowd, every turn was just, there's so much support, so much crowd energy, and you really feed off of that. And you really need that in these long distance things, whether it's a marathon or it's an Ironman. It's like, (laughs) that really is what carries you. So it'd be interesting to see how this year plays out with, um, I know Ironman Florida in November had no spectators. So like, I give those people all the credit in the world to doing, it's like doing it virtually. (laughs) like with nobody out there. Like, how does that even like, I don't know. It is. It, it basically, it basically was like doing it virtually. And, um, I did the JFK 50 in person. You did it virtually. So, and I have to tell you that although there weren't a lot of people and the field size was reduced enormously, I don't know how much, maybe by a third or by 30 or 40%. So there were less, um, runners. It was still a very strong elite field, but as far as, you know, the regular age group folk, the numbers were down. And as far as on the course, I can't speak to how many people were out there, you know, along the, the Potomac there, you know, along the CNO canal. I don't know because I've never run the race for it was my first time, but I, first one. I know one thing it was, it was an epic experience and I wouldn't trade it for one goddamn thing. It was unbelievable to see other people again. And, you know, I very, basically was not near anyone. I mean, I went down there to go in there and get your number, Danny, that they, the doors open on both sides of the hotel. So it was like a little outwing, like an annex of the hotel. The doors were open on both sides. All the windows were open and one runner at a time was allowed to go into the room. So all these people out there, there's going to be the haters and the naysayers that are fucking throwing rocks and bricks and, you know, <laughs> at runners and try, you know, fuck off. You know what? If you want to like live in your bat cave during COVID for the rest of your life, go ahead, but don't be shitting on people because they want to go out and do something because- that plan that they had was that serious from not only going in to get your number and your packet, you had to have your buff or oh, yeah. or mask up at every single aid station on the starting and finish line. You had to cross the finish line with your buff up. And that they, they, there was no, around the finish line, they pushed you right out of there. You were gone. You, you were able to handle, get- There's no you, mingling. Yeah, you got no on a bus. You got on a bus, but it was like three, two to three rows between each runner. So you weren't near anybody. You were all spaced out. And, you know, like I slept over that night because I sure as hell wasn't going to drive all the way back home. And, you know, I got up the next day and had some breakfast. And, and basically, I the only meals I ate were like in my room. I got food to go. Um, but I'm thrilled that I went down there and did it. Uh, I was so bummed. I just I couldn't do it with quarantining. And, you know, I have I have two young kids um, that I share time with with my ex-husband. So it's kind of like quarantine stuff. I did. I, my kids come first. So I didn't want to put that my, my racing doesn't come before my time with them. So that said, I decided to do it, you know, traditionally on my own. Um, 
couple of people I was supposed to do that race with, my core trail folks that I called upon to help, you know, coach me through this thing um, as we trained for it. Somebody else couldn't come back because of quarantine rules. And it was just a whole mess of, was it really worth the trip? I wish we had gotten to experience it. One of the girls, um, very good friend of mine, she has done JFK about three or four times and she loves that race. And that's primarily why I signed up for it because we were going to do it together. We were signed up together. We were training together. Um, she ended up coming down with Lyme disease and she just oh. wasn't able to put that stress on her body. Yep. But like it was, you know, we called it what it was. We're like, ah, so 2020 yeah. <laughs> because it was like, why not get Lyme's this year? Why yeah. not have to cancel another race plan? Of course. But I was, I was so determined to get it done because I had that as my focus for four or five months. That's what I was doing. That's what I was training for. That's what I was doing this year. I didn't care how I did it. I did it the same day. I mapped out a course that mimicked elevation terrain to what JFK was supposed to be. Um, I started the exact same time I was supposed to start down there, finished when I thought I was going to finish. And it was exactly how I had imagined it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, listen, man, that's what it takes. Um, you know, if you well, fundraised for it, I was like, I raised money for this shit. Like I'm running this race. I don't care where I'm running it. That's, that's great, man. And, and look, man, you know, if you put your mind to anything, you could figure out a way to get it done. It doesn't mean it's easy. Um, it doesn't mean that having those people around wouldn't have helped you more or having somebody to share some miles with. I mean, I met all kinds of people along the way, you know, out there on that course, you know, and I talked to every freaking volunteer and thanked them 67 times a Sunday. And everybody was trying to clean me up because I was bleeding all around. No, no, don't touch yeah, that shit. Yeah, you were all no, 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 no. <laughs> Leave that shit alone. Because I learned a long time ago, man, they start fucking poking around and prodding around. And all of a sudden, I mean, that shin bone of mine was swollen. I mean, literally, the scab literally just fell off like a day or two ago. I mean, that thing was sticking out like... I mean, almost three quarters of an inch. It looked like somebody hit me with a hammer in the shin. And everybody's like, oh, it was your knee, right? It was like my knee, my shin, and my ankle. I mean, I had three massive like welts. I mean, my hand was bleeding all over and it was bleeding through my glove. So I eventually just took that glove off. And when I saw a waist can, I chucked it because I was like, it, it just was gross, man. It was just like blood filled, man. Like, Ugh. you know, like you, uh you know, stabbed somebody and had a glove on. I was like, nope, this isn't happening. This uh, this shit's got to go. Goodbye. Goodbye, glove. So when I got yeah. to a garbage can, I tossed it. But yeah, good for you, man, that you pushed through. Next year, we'll be down there in person because JFK is just amazing race, man. I'm so, I'm so into that race. It's the oldest ultra in the U.S. Yes, and, and there's so many reasons why I wanted to run it. That was one of them. It was just came highly recommended through friends and, you know, the organization itself. They were super cool about, keeping us up to date with COVID regulations and guidelines and things like that. And it was, and I got to meet people like you through there too. So I, I you know, you get another community setting that I was never truly involved in that I was so happy to like start reading about people and their experience in ultra marathon running. Cause I never saw myself in that realm. And now I'm like, Ooh, that's kind of who I am too, because I did enjoy it. I loved it. And I, We'll do another one and well, another one. You've, you've stepped up to 50. So, you know, the next natural thing, because, you know, you can't just go from doing, you know, 5K, <laughs> 10K, half marathon, then it's like 70.3 Ironmans. It's like, it's the way we're all wired in the endurance community. So it's like me, I'm like, 
my 60th birthday is coming up the 29th. So I'm going to run 60 miles for a charity. I didn't announce the charity X. I'm still working through the details in a course and hope to raise a crap load of money for a good cause. And I'm going to go Facebook live and Instagram live and get it out there to as many humans as possible. Um, but then I got a hundred, I'm going to do my first hundred miler in April. It's the same area, JFK. It's the same, it's along the CNO canal. It's a 40 mile loop, a 30 mile loop and a 30 mile loop. And it's going to be completely insane. So bananas. Uh, it is bananas. <laughs> it's completely bananas, man. It's, it's my, it. it's mind boggling, but you know what? You haven't lived until you step way out of your own comfort zone in life. You gotta go out there and try to see how far you can push things. And I don't mean like dangerously, you know, like people say to me like, Oh, you're running all these miles. Well, Hey man, I'm okay. I mean, mentally it is far more draining when I think I'm going out the door and I'm trying to keep this streak up or running 15 miles a day. It's way, way it's physically I'm okay because I am like a madman right now, foam rolling. I am doing all my stuff that I need to do to keep every little thing that could be in check in check, you know, cause we all have our little things, right? Whether it's glute issues or this kind of problem or, you know, ITB and knee issue, ankle flexibility, whatever the hell it is, we all have our little things that we have to manage. And those could be things that bother us more on the bike, on the run, in the pool, shoulder, whatever the hell your things are, we all have them. I'm staying on top of stuff like crazily because I want to keep going. Now, I'm not, I'm not by no means am I planning to do this for like any super extended period of time, but I didn't know <laughs> that I would do it more than two days, you know, and here I am today's day 14. So I know that the 29th is my birthday. I'm going to do 60. So I can't be that insane that I'm going to keep running 15 every day up to the day of the 60. I got to give myself at least, you know, one or two days coming in. You know, I don't know that I'll take days off, but you know, maybe I just, you know, do like some sort of fake taper where I run four or five miles or three <laughs> miles or something. But because my, my, one of my best friends who's always involved in my shit, he's like, dude, are you going to fucking run like 15 miles a day before the 60? I'm like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, oh, no, no. Notice how you just said you don't think so. He goes, I, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Now, hopefully I'll pull the plug pull the plug before then. So, um, you know, going to one element I wanted to make sure I get to, because community is important to me. And I know the coaching element for you obviously touches community, but I know you're doing the swim instruction for children with special needs, aquatic program. I saw that on your post and I just, that stuff touches my heart. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure can. I work at the local high school in my district where I live, Deer Park, um, high school. I have been there a couple of years. I am an aqua assistant aquatics director there. So what I do is I help the aquatics director in programming for what usage pool pool has. And aquatics programs are growing in number um, as people tend to get more healthy and are looking at fitness and aqua fitness. And one of the programs that we do there. So basically, I instruct the phys ed aspect of gym classes that go on in the high school, the junior high and the elementary schools when they're up to the aquatics section. But what we also have is a large cohort of special needs students. And that's anyone from whether it is Down syndrome to um, autism, uh, behavioral disabilities um, that prevent them from being in a normal average mainstream classroom. And they are from grade school age. I have everybody from K through 12. So I work with students on every grade level. The little guys, they're so much fun. Um, 
you know, super sweet. And it's their, it's like a therapy. It's an aqua therapy. So they come and they, they get bused to the high school from the elementary schools in the district. And they have an hour class with us. It's myself, um, another instructor, and usually a couple of lifeguards on duty. Um, and we do swim instruction and we do everything from like the little kids. Sometimes it's, it's just games. It's stuff to just keep their bodies um, moving. We have to learn each of their disabilities by reading their IEPs. So we're very involved in their background, what their personal situation is. And we do like one-on-one instruction based on what their physical needs might be. So somebody who may need leg mobility and we work with that someone who may have weak back muscles we work on different things to improve their flexibility strength in that Um, it's not just teaching swim but we also teach them what to do in an emergency so there's there's days that we instruct and we have them come in the pool in their clothes because if they fell in the pool in the backyard or fell in the pool at grandma's house that's what it would feel like. So we try to stimulate real life situations with them too, because they may not get that experience or taught those things in their classroom or in their home. So the younger kids, especially because they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily on sports teams. Their disabilities may prevent them from that, or their parents may not allow it or whatever the situation is. Um, So we take it as part of our program in allowing them to learn how to deal with those things. Should you fall in the pool with your clothes on, how can you get your clothes off? And these are some of these kids, some of these students, um, even the older ones can't really dress themselves that well. There's kids in the high school who can't tie their shoes. There's kids in the high school that don't know how to brush their hair straight through. You know what I mean? And we can help with those life skills um, as the older kids are life skills. And then the other ones are aquatic therapy classes. So they change as the students get older, but yeah, every day we're in there, we're in the water with them. So I'm in the pool a number of hours every single day, not just for endurance athletes and swimmers for triathlon or swimming for normal fitness. I'm in there also teaching, um, you know, kids who may not have the, the opportunity to be taught how to swim or have that kind of therapy outside of school. It's great that the district provides a service like that. This happens to be a district that has a high number of students with disabilities and special needs. And again, like I said, it's not just physical or, or developmental disabilities. It's people I have. Um, I have a young boy who has a seizure disorder, who has a service dog. He comes to the pool and he is in regular normal classes, but he does throw seizures very often. So he has a dog that alerts the teacher or the aide or myself if he's about to become ill or have one of his episodes. So all of these things and all of these, you know, special folks um, bring something to to my life every day. (laughs) It's like when you just when you think you're having like a bad day and you can just bring a little bit of happiness to someone else's day. And that, you know, that's my day job. Um, But through that, I have gotten involved in other communities where I do teach um, inner city folks how to water swim, how to swim in a pool where they may not have those resources readily available to them. So it's it's urban areas that come to the suburbs to learn how to swim. And I put a lot of my free time into that as well, because it's just it's nice to give something back. And it sounds cliche to say that, but it really is. It's true. I volunteer my time with a a lot of people, (laughs) 
it's just, it's a lot of different organizations I try to get involved in uh, physically in person. And then I have other things that I get involved in, you know, to try to contribute to, to other charities and, and events. But yeah, I love my job. It's, it's incredible. The kids, they, you know, they it's happiness. And it's like that hour of the day that there has to be nothing else thought about except floating. Like we say, you come and you float, you know, it's relaxing, it's therapeutic. And it, it, uh, like I said to you earlier in our chat that we just with COVID and having all of those restrictions, we weren't able to be face-to-face. I mean, now we're, we're face-to-face, but it's different. We have to wear masks and splash guard shields in the water because you can't have that close contact with, with folks, um, to prevent, you know, the spread of this virus, but happy to have them back on a social distance level. <laughs> we have to modify class sizes, um, ex- exponentially. And then, um, hopefully we get to incorporate more programs. So I do do an adult swim too, which same thing. People who are not, uh, confident enough to go to a regular gym and swim because they're embarrassed. They don't want to be up against like real swimmers, quote unquote, um, because they feel stupid um, or embarrassed and they look to just get some instruction, move their body and, you know, stay healthy, fit in any way that they can. So pretty much to sum that up, but yeah, I love it. I missed it. 10 months we were shut down and I was just, you know, focusing on my business and doing more stuff with my kids because they were home and homeschool and all that stuff and no sports for them, which was great. But at the same time, no sports for anybody else meant no work for me. (laughs) Well, it's a great way to give back, um, your time and your services and help, um, help those, those kids. Um, it's such a wonderful thing to do from a community service perspective and, and, uh, no question. Um, you, I've always felt like you get more out of that than you put in. Um, when you're doing things for others and the motives are pure and good, you, you just always feel so much better about yourself. And well, that's it. You know, we yeah. all we all need to um, think about ways, any any way that we can get involved and and do more things like that. Um, whether it's volunteering time in the community, um, doing individual fundraisers for something that's important to you or somebody in your family. Um, I guarantee you, if you think about it, um, something will come to you and you'll be like, wow, I hadn't really thought about that. Or I was listening to what Danny was talking about with Ron, or I listened to a different episode and, and you know what, that's really cool. Um, my last guest who was on David Kilgore ran a hundred miles in the Florida heat and raised a ton of money for healthcare workers. And then he ran 73 miles amongst the five boroughs of New York and raised two and a half million meals for the New York City Food Bank. So, you know, there's, 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 there's things that can be done and we're all capable of doing stuff. You don't have to be capable of running 100 miles or or 73 miles or anything else. We all have some skill set we bring to the table. And it's kind of ironic because swimming was your, your thing of least confidence and the f- thing that you felt, you know, the least comfortable in of all. And now you're using that, you know, area where you struggle the most and had the most issues and you're giving back and making people who have a real fear with it, even outside of the special needs people, um, feel comfortable about, um, swimming when they're not comfortable swimming amongst other people who can swim. And so that's super cool on your end. So good job. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's definitely full circle. (laughs) It's come full circle. Yeah. So, um, 
as we get rolling here towards the end, um, I know you've done three full Ironmans, which is awesome. And I remember from my notes, you were a four-time Ironman all-world athlete and two-time USAT age group national qualifier. Those are some pretty awesome things that you've already accomplished in the sport. Like, do you have any big goals that you have out there for 2021 or even way further out? Because, you know, we don't really know um, when we're truly going to be racing. Like, even races that we've signed up and paid for, we don't really even know if they'll actually happen. So what do you have that's up there that's really big front of mind that you're that you're targeting and shooting for? Yeah, I've got, um, you know, I'd like to do in the upcoming year some um, some more running. I did enjoy my experience trail running and getting involved in ultra distance. Um, I am, I have a half Ironman time goal in mind um, that I'd still like to achieve and a full Ironman distance time that I'd still like to achieve. So there's a couple of things that I'm trying to, to work so that I can attain those should we race this year or if it's next year. Um, so I do have, I'm, I'm not done. That's for sure. <laughs> I have time goals. I have a couple of iconic races that I'd like to do um, in the future. At some point, uh, my husband and I would like to do Ironman Texas in the future, just because we've never been to Texas and it looks like a super fun race, super challenging and you know, like you said, with the 50 miler, no, I'm probably not done there. My husband said to me the other day, he's like, so when's the hundred? <laughs> and I said, well, after this year, after Ironman year, then we'll work on. <laughs> and then I want to run the 50 for a certain time. Like I wanted to make sure the first time I could do it that distance in a certain amount of time. But now I want to do it for time because I feel like I could have pushed some things a little harder and I could tweak some nutrition things. There's always like a learning experience that you want to try again to nail those things. But yeah, just um, staying on top of it. I want all my athletes to be able to race this year. I really do. Um, we did a lot of virtual stuff with COVID last year, and I was lucky, blessed to have my folks stay with me, even during times of unemployment that they may have gone through or just having all their races canceled, postponed, whatever. But they like me as a coach. They, they're treated like family. And um, to have them stick by me through dark times like that makes me um really proud of what what we have here together my husband and I and um just to keep everybody healthy and just you know again it'll be another year of fundraising um I do a lot for team blue line which is a police driven um charity that we raise a lot of money for for those uh police officers that have been disabled injured or killed in line of duty we raise money for their families um, so I'm looking to do a lot more of that and just, uh, keep on keeping on. Well, that's great. You're doing the fundraising for team blue line. We will 100% link that up in the show notes. What is the name of your tri team and the team that you're coaching? And I know you, um, had sent me a webpage, so I'll certainly link, you know, to your webpage where you're coaching your athletes. What is the name of your team for anybody who might be listening and thinking of, you know, getting involved and maybe wanting to hire you as a coach? Yeah, of course. We are on Instagram and Facebook as it's the RADFAM, R-A-D-F-A-M. And that's actually an acronym and it's short for Ray and Danny Fitness and Multisport. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. That's a classic. <laughs> so it came out of, you know, just playing around with names and, and, and words and things that we thought would encompass us. But then we realized that our initials alone are just like, it's rad. I love it. 
it it works and it it totally fits from the branding side. So we not only have our team Rivs connection, but we also got team Love the Pain going on. So we got we got that connection. You know, because yes, I'm a brand yes, I'm a brand ambassador for them as well. So yeah, I saw you you posted a shot from one of your favorite kits last year recently. So we got that going on, and I'm sure your team you probably have all kinds of really cool rad stuff. We've got lots of rad stuff. Yeah. And it's not, you know, not limited to people that actually hire us. I'm, you know, I have gear and attire for people who want to support us. Like, just like we wear everybody else's stuff to support whatever organization that that goes to. Um, we're the same way. I know some triathlon teams are like, you can only wear our stuff if you're part of the team. I'm not like that. We run kind of just be on whatever team you want to be. We're here to coach. We're here to have cool gear. Um, you know, give some advice, unsolicited, <laughs> Love it. you know, it's, it's kind of just the way we operate. So we're not, you know, people can see our gear out there on, on the social media side and be like, Oh, I want that. But you can actually have it. I don't require people to be like paying athletes to, to rock some of our stuff, to rock our rabbit, which is our logo. So cool. I love it. Well, it's been an absolute blast talking to you and having you on the show. I have no doubt uh, your try story and now getting into ultra and overcoming your fear of the open water and all the amazing things that you've done to become the athlete you are today will definitely inspire anybody who's listening to the show. So it's been super fun getting to know you better and oh, getting so to see you through the Zoom screen is also super fun. Um, so we always close off every show. We always tell everybody, Everybody keep lacing them up and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, everybody. Wow, that was such a fun and inspiring chat. I really enjoyed getting to know Danny better. And isn't that something with all the coaching and all the work on her stroke and perfecting it, it took swimming in a hurricane in open water to truly put that fear and phobia behind her. And what I just absolutely loved the most of our entire chat was how she took that fear and struggles and difficulty with her own swimming, the anxiety that it caused her, and is now giving back to help others in the special needs community and also adults that are learning to swim or maybe are wanting to get involved with a triathlon for their first time and have a fear of the open water as Danny had. And I just think that's wonderful. I love stories about people who are giving back in the community. So for any Run Chats listeners that are maybe just bored with doing virtual marathons or maybe trail races and want to try something new and you've thought about triathlon and you've always used that excuse that you're not a good swimmer or you can't handle open water swims. I hope after listening to Danny's story, you'll see if there's a program that exists around you and your community and give triathlon a shot because look what it's done for Danny. Amazing, amazing things. Also loved uh, hearing about you know, what they're doing with RadFam Fitness, her and her husband, how they're helping athletes get their start in the multi-sport community and helping them achieve their goals, which is always exciting stuff. And just doing a ton of stuff on the fundraising side, which always uh, definitely touches my heart and touches my heartstrings because it's something I uh, passionately believe in as well. So it's a fun, fun listen. And she is super, super talented at the half Ironman, Ironman distance, and it's just uh, setting some, you know, amazing 
PRs and running some fast times. And I think she's going to have some real talent in the ultra world too, as she dips her toe more into that water and, and experience more. And we'll get her up to the hundred mile or soon. I'm sure I can talk her into it. So anyway, hope you all enjoy, enjoyed that chat as much as the two of us did. And uh, if you do if, and can take a moment, as many of you do, to share it on Instagram stories or an Instagram or Facebook post to help people hear Danny's inspiring story, definitely helps us find new listeners to the Run Chats program. It means the world to me, and I appreciate every one of you who have been doing that consistently since we launched the show. This was episode 28. So thank you all for being part of the Run Chats family. It means everything. And as I always say at the end of every show, keep lacing them up, my friends, and keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. Peace out.